What's up, everybody? It's another Pick 6 podcast, which means that it's another day. You've survived 24 hours, and you are listening to this on some sort of exercise machine or driving in your car because it's only 30 minutes, six topics, five minutes each. It's perfect for a commute or for that little bit of exercise you do each day. I am Will Brinson. I am your host. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever else. And help me welcome good friend of the program, good buddy, colleague at CBS Sports, and an excellent writer and manager of fantasy football and baseball leagues, Tom Fernelli. What's up, man? I'm good. I think of all those things you said, they're all lies except for the part about being a great commissioner. I think that's the only true thing you just said. You are a great You are a great commissioner. You take it with – you take the commissioner responsibi- uh, responsibilities with the appropriate amount of uh, – enthusiasm and seriousness that are, that is required to actually get the league to listen to you. But also you can, you, you have the, um, panache capable of just throwing down the gauntlet and saying, this is a new rule. And nobody, nobody, nobody flinches. So that's the thing. I've been in too many leagues where a commissioner will like, all right, what do you guys think of this? And then he wants input from every other owner in the league. And the funny thing about human beings is if there are more than three of you in a group, you're not all going to agree. I, so actually it's I'm, it's not interesting, but this is actually happening in my home baseball league. Um, I've been trying for two years. I'm the commissioner and I've been saying we need to add an extra DL spot because teams are throwing baseball guys on the DL left and right. And, you know, in a weekly or daily baseball league, you're hosed because yeah. they're just getting tossed. It's just happening all over the place. And they're like, well, we can't do it during the season. It's something we should vote on after the year. It's like, come on, guys. Grow no, up. just do it. Yeah, I might just do it tomorrow and just tell I them would. that's how it's happening. Yeah, like, right. you got you to be like the alpha. So yeah. that's your job. Nobody wants a beta commissioner, right? No, no, you want an alpha commissioner. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the Chicago Bears, your favorite football team. How would you grade the Bears offseason, and why would you give them whatever grade you give them? I, I would say to this point, without the draft taking place, I'd I'd give them a solid B so far. I, I feel like going into the offseason, there were some clear goals and clear areas they needed to, do, to address. And in the free agency, I was – if you look at the draft class of wide receivers this year, it's not very strong in wide receivers in my opinion. So I wanted to see them go after wide receivers in free agency. And Allen Robinson was the guy I wanted them going after. And that's – you know, that was their first target. So I was really happy to see that. Taylor Gabriel from Atlanta, I think that's an interesting signing. It'll be interesting to see how Matt Nagy could use him, whether if he plans on using him as like in a Tyreek Hill kind of role, although I think that's probably a bit unrealistic. Yeah. Trey Burton, I thought, made sense as far as a tight end, but there's still questions there because his, Burton was used perfectly in that Philadelphia offense, but we haven't seen him in a situation where he's the main guy at tight end, so you don't really know how that's going to work. And then... I think as far as the rest of free agency goes, adding Chase Daniels and Tyler Bray are guys who are not exactly, you know, stud quarterbacks, but they're guys who are familiar with that offense. So I think they'll help Mitch Trubisky in the QB room, which is what I want more than anything from my quarterbacks right now that aren't Trubisky. And then the other key thing I thought was keeping Kyle Fuller and Prince of Makamura at cornerback because you didn't want to lose all those guys. You don't want to have to replace all your cornerbacks in one offseason. That's <laughs> typically not going to work really well for you. And even though it was kind of weird the way they went about keeping Fuller with that, you know, not really franchising him, getting that transition tag on him, and then ha- the having to match the deal, I still like that approach better than signing him to a long-term deal because even though he had a great 2017 season, before that he was sketchy at best. So I would like to, you know, rent for another year or two before I buy him long-term. Yeah, it's it, so I think that for the second straight year – 
when it comes to Ryan Pace and, and the way that he's handled um, the, as you might like to say it, the process. I have yes. not been impressed with the process. I have liked the results, and I don't know if I don't know if that's great or not. Like for instance, I like getting Trey Burton. I don't know if I like paying thirty-two million over four years mm-hmm. for Trey Burton. Um, I, I like keeping Fuller. I don't know if I like the the idea of letting somebody else, especially a team in your own division, set the market. And then today, the news actually came down, and it's it, it, it's I think it's big news for Bears fans and, and Saints fans. But Cameron Meredith, who was given an offer sheet by the Saints after he was tendered at a low level by the Bears, is leaving and going to the Saints. Yeah. And I was surprised by that because wide receiver was a need, and Cameron Meredith was really good two years ago. Were you disappointed that he's gone? I was surprised. I don't know if I'd say I'm disappointed, but I, I was surprised because I figured that with such, you know, they had such so many holes at receiver going into the offseason. I figured that was one guy that they were going to try to keep. But I guess I, their reasoning is going to be that he's coming off the ACL injury and the PCL and they're they not sure they want to commit. Alan Robinson, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, we don't want to commit that much money to him not knowing, you know, with the uncertainty of his knee after giving the how many million we gave Alan Robinson. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's I I was surprised by it. I I don't know if it's that huge like a big of a deal because Meredith had a good year with the Bears two years ago before he got hurt last year, but he was also it was it was a situation where he was like literally the only guy that was there because Alshon was hurt that entire season and everybody else on that in that depth chart at receiver Kevin White was hurt that year because it's any season ever, and then <laughs> he was just the one guy that was actually showing up to play every Sunday and you had to throw the ball to somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like, so he was the guy getting those numbers and those stats, but I don't know if I consider Cam Meredith to be like a real, you know, a a positive must have starter going forward. I bet that he puts up the numbers in New Orleans and it's not apples to apples because it's New Orleans offense and Drew Brees versus um, Chicago's offense and, and Mitchell Trubisky. And I like the offense of Mitchell Trubisky, but, um, I bet he puts up numbers that would be the equivalent of the second best wideout numbers in Chicago next year. Yeah. yeah and he'll be like the fourth leading receiver on the Saints. Yeah, that's ex- exactly right. I'll, he'll be like, he'll be like their new Willie Sneed, except we'll yes. be looking at those numbers like, man, I wish we had Willie Sneed. <laughs> yeah. I, the new Willie Sneed is actually a really good way to describe him. They'll figure out a way to get value from him. Are you, yeah. are you buying this? idea that the bears are the 2018 bears can be the 2017 Rams slash Eagles building from that blueprint where you sign it, you hire a young offensive mind or, or a, a smart offensive mind in Matt Nagy. Uh, you, you, you bring in all these wide receivers to, to surround your franchise quarterback that you drafted in the top two, uh, with weapons. You add a tight end, you get some guys on the offensive line and, um, and then you hope for a big leap forward. Are you buying that the bears could make that leap in 2018? No. <laughs> I I I, th- I I see like the narrative and the reasoning behind it. It all makes sense because there are so many similarities. Like you just went over the list of the the same the things that they have in common with the Rams last year. But where I don't see the there's some key differences as well. First of all, if you looked at the two defenses last season, the Bears had a good defense. Statistically, they were better than L.A. in a lot of areas that you know matter. 
But the Rams were much better at getting after the quarterback and a much better pass rushing defense. And they also have Aaron Donald, you know, anchoring the middle of that defense. The Bears don't have anything like Aaron Donald. Akeem Hicks was one of the few, to this point, free agent hits that Ryan Pace has had, and he's been excellent. But he's not Aaron Donald in the middle of your defensive line. There, there's no other Aaron Donalds out there. So that's one key area where I think that the Bears lack in what the Rams had going from last year. And maybe they're able to address that in the first round if somebody like Bradley Chubb dropped to them somehow at number eight and they can finally pick up some pass rushers but then on the other side offensively the Rams have Todd Gurley the Bears don't and (laughs) Jordan Howard is a good NFL running back but even though he rushed for like 1200 yards last year he only averaged 4.1 yards a carry it was not a great year for Jordan Howard and Todd Gurley was the engine of that Rams offense yes McVay came in and made things easier for Goff and Goff had a good year and he had receivers around him but without Gurley that offense isn't anywhere close to what it was and Gurley brings that explosiveness out of the backfield as a receiver which Jordan Howard just does not do I mean uh, Gurley caught over 60 passes last year I think Howard dropped over 60 passes <laughs> so when you try to compare those areas the Bears are still coming up short in a couple key spots as far as being the 2018 version of the Rams by the way Todd Gurley had 97.5 fantasy points in week 15 and 16 alone Jesus <laughs> yeah that's insane he, he, he made so many people money last year yeah I mean, if if you had Gurley in the playoffs in your in your fantasy league, you won, or else yes. you should be you should be really depressed because he put. I mean, like three hundred fantasy points is a good and standard scoring is a good output for a year for a he running had back. Hundred and two weeks. He had a hundred and two <laughs> weeks. Yeah, and then in week fourteen, I think he had like twenty five. I mean, he just yeah. took off down the stretch. Of course, he took weeks. He literally took off uh, week seventeen. Probably didn't cost him MVP. But um, are, are you in? On Ryan Pace, then, if, I mean, if you don't think the – are you in on Ryan Pace and Mitchell Trubisky as the foundation? So even if they don't make the leap in 2018, are they ready for something um, in the future? Mm, I'm, I am I think 2018 is key. I think now that you've got Nagy in there, if they don't take a step forward next season – and I don't mean getting to the playoffs. I'm just saying offensively, if you don't see progression in Trubisky, then no, I'm, I'm not on board. Because I had Ooh. doubts about Trubisky coming out of college, Ooh. and Pace has been – very hit and miss as far as, you know, draft picks and free agents. It's like most of the free agents he signed in his first few years there have already been cut. Yes. So it's like, Mike that's Glennon never did not, a good I like, thing. You know how I feel about Mike Glennon. Uh, yeah. Mike Glennon did not work out well for the Bears. No, shockingly. Nobody could have seen that coming. When the Bears signed Mike Glennon, everybody was like, oh, that's a great signing. It's great. There's no way that could go wrong. That was just me, I think. Yeah, it's just you. It may have been, were... it's, yeah, me and me and like two or three other people in the media. Um, but I feel like, so our colleague, Sean Wagner McGuff, whose name I routinely pronounce correctly on this podcast, and Sean's a listener to the podcast, and we'll probably Magoo. Magoo, Swimmy Magoo, Esquire. Um, he will probably be, he'll probably be like, you had a Bears podcast without me. <laughs> yes, Sean, I did because you're on you're on PST and and I, I needed to get uh, you know Tom on here to to diversify our bonds and whatnot. Uh. I, he is huge into Trubisky, and I feel mm-hmm. like the other Bears fans that I follow on Twitter, and there aren't many of them. Um, I think it's like Robert Mays and Dan Katz are are aren't most Chicago people big into Trubisky as the answer there. I'm surprised that you're that lukewarm. I I think that it's more of a Stockholm syndrome thing at this point, <laughs> honestly, because Bears quarterbacks have been so bad for so long that. 
when Jay Cutler showed up and was even somewhat competent and was the best quarterback mm. probably in franchise history, how sad is that to that say? Is so sad. We still hated. We still thought he sucked because it was like you know we were just so used to our quarterbacks being bad. And I think that having for the first time in forever the team actually getting the quote unquote franchise quarterback early in the first round, which is not something Bears fans are accustomed to. I think that creates some excitement, but I was a bigger Deshaun. I was a bigger Deshaun Watson guy as far as evaluating last year's QB class. That's who I would have wanted them to draft. I, Trubisky, I, I think I, I see the talent. I mean, he's got he's an accurate he's got an accurate arm. He makes throws. He's mobile. He's got a lot there, but I still think there's a lot of development left with him yeah. before he's going to become the quote unquote franchise QB in the NFL. So. I'm I'm lukewarm, but it's not because I don't think the talent is there. It's just I'm taking a longer wait-and-see approach, whereas I'm not just fully on board like so many other fans are just because they're so desperate for success because the Bears just haven't, you know, since they went to that Super Bowl in 2006, they just haven't been good. And I think there's such a desperation for this team to perform and play well that everybody's just kind of attaching themselves to the Trubisky bandwagon and kind of – Maybe with some blinders. I, I had a um, in that 2006 Super Bowl. I had a prop bet. I had a unit on the on Devin Hester winning Super Bowl MVP, and I thought I I, I interviewed him at the Super Bowl this year, and I was like, man, I thought I was about to get rich, but well, not rich, but you know, make his make a make a decent profit uh, when he returned that kick to the house. It was not to be the, the Bears weren't even that good that year either. It, it, I mean, they were no, good. they weren't. Yeah. They had a they had terrific defense and amazing special teams and a horrible offense. Yes, they really did. Uh, all right. So with that in mind, actually, before I'm going to, would you, so you would trade Trubisky for Sean Watson, right? I would. Yeah. Okay. Would you trade Trubisky for Patrick Mahomes? No. Jared Goff? Yeah, probably. Ooh, Car- Carson Wentz. Yes. Right. Yeah, okay. for sure. Uh, James Winston? No. Oh, uh, Marcus Mariota. No. Okay. All right. Okay. I think I think Mariota's maxed out. To be honest with you, wow. I think who he is is who he's going to be. And I had really high expectations for him coming out of Oregon, but I just feel like, I, I from what we've seen in these first few years, I feel like that's just who he is. Would you trade? This is the last one. Would you trade Mitchell Trubisky for Andrew Luck? <sighs> Can Andrew Luck throw a normal sized football yet? No, he cannot. <laughs> Then no. <laughs> Once Andrew throws a normal sized football, he's not playing with the Nerf Vortex. I'll give it strong consideration. So why can't he just? He's like, I'm very, very confident that I soon I will throw a very, very normal sized football. Um, yeah, this, this, that's always what you want to hear from your friends. We in the off season, and it is yeah. it is April. Like he was having surgery about this time last, or maybe, yeah. maybe he had it even earlier. But oh no, it was Cam who had surgery this time um, last year. But yeah, you don't. There's, I mean, it's a long time till the season starts, but it's not that long. I mean, it's only, it's only like four months that so they should certainly be concerned. But I think that's interesting that you would take, so you would still take Trubisky over like Winston and Mariota and those guys because of the unknown, the upside there. Um, yeah. We'll talk about the other quarterbacks in this draft class in a minute. Tom, by the way, if, if we didn't mention this, you write about college football. So you excellently with our, our group of, of people at, C, at CBS Sports, you can follow Tom at Tom Fornelli on Twitter. And by the way, subscribe to our podcast. Tom's also on the 247 Sports College Football Podcast with Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. They get, they do a lock podcast that I listen to every week to, uh, to throw away cash. So what would Tom, what would your over under, if you were setting it for the Bears win total be next year? 
I think, honestly, I, I feel like the most realistic over-under is probably six and a half. I mean, I would be thrilled if they ended up going nine and seven and having, like, at least some semblance of wild card hopes. But realistically, I think it's a six and ten kind of year because the division is just so strong with the Packers, the Vikings, and even the Lions. And then they've got to play the Rams, Seahawks, and Patriots outside the division. So between the six division games and those other three games, I feel like that's at least seven losses right there. So if you could just manage to go, you know, six and whatever in the rest of your games, I think that's a really good season. But like I said earlier, for me, more so than their win-loss record, I'm more, much more interested in seeing the offense and Mitch Trubisky take a big step forward than I am in, you know, them competing for a division title or a playoff spot. If all that comes, I'll be thrilled. But that's not what I'm expecting. And I would think, I think that's probably about what ownership and management wants to see too. Because if you're, you know, if, if Trubisky looks like he can compete, if Trubisky gets to the point where Bears fans say, you know, we wouldn't trade him for Deshaun Watson, you know, just because he's, he's playing well enough that he's, you know, you just don't give away your own guys, then I think at that point, even if you win six games, you say, this is, you know, this is fine as your house is, is burning around you. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, I, I can buy six and a half. I don't know that I would, I don't know that I would love the over either. Because you mentioned it, the division is difficult. Who scares mm-hmm. you more as a Bears fan, the Packers or the Vikings now that they have Kirk Cousins? You know, the Vikings are a really, really good team. I think they're the better team of those two just from top to bottom because when you look at them, they might not be elite at every spot on both sides of the ball, but there's hard to really find the true weakness. And then you realize, oh, crap, Dalvin Cook's coming back next yeah. year too. So I, I feel like that's bigger news than Kirk Cousins because I've for, personally I've just never been a big Cousins fan to begin with, and I feel like he's probably going to give you the same kind of production you were getting last year from Case Keenum anyway. So I think they're the better team, but that being said, as long as Aaron Rodgers is healthy as playing, the Packers are always the scarier team. That's a, I just that, that's good. that's the right answer. Yeah, I've spent since I was about ten years old. My life as a Bears fan has just been getting my heart ripped out by Packers quarterbacks, whether it's been Favre or Rodgers. So as long as Rodgers is playing, the Packers are scarier than anybody else. Yeah, that's it. It's it's almost unfair that the Packers have had that. I mean, it's an it's an obscene stretch of time mm-hmm. in which they've had a Hall of Fame quarterback, and they've only got two Super Bowl wins to show for it. That's not great, right? No, but it's better than, you know, none in that time span, which is what I'm dealing with since 85. That, that is, that is worse. Zero is it's worse like, than two. Did you ever, did you ever heard about the 85 Bears? Has anybody ever mentioned that team to you? Uh, all offense, right? They played a lot yeah. of offense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nobody ever brings that team up. <laughs> they really don't. Um, not every time that there's a new defensive dynasty. <laughs> hey, never better than the 85 Bears. Uh, all right. What's, uh, what's your best case and what's your worst case scenario? For the Chicago Bears in the 2018 draft, and you can you can exp- you're a college football guy, so feel free to expound uh, beyond just that first pick if you want. But if you just want to concentrate on uh, at number eight, I believe it is. I don't know why I feel like they're picking higher. I always feel like they are, but they're actually you watch them play, and you're trying to figure out how the hell they can only have the eighth pick. <laughs> that is actually that's right. I feel like they should have the third pick, and I don't. Yeah, yeah. They played like the third pick. Yeah, they really did, and somehow they got away with an eighth pick. So. Yeah. Who who do you want them to take there, and, and if there are any other things that factor into what you want to see them do in that draft, uh, you know, feel free to expound. I, I think the best case scenario is there are like four or five quarterbacks taken in those first seven picks sure. because the more quarterbacks are taken, because that's obviously not where the Bears are looking, the more talent that's going to fall down to eight. But I, I feel like for me, 
Quentin Nelson is the guy I've fallen in love with. Yeah. He's my favorite prospect in co- out of college since Aaron Donald. And Aaron wow. Donald And Aaron Donald got taken a pick before the Bears were on the clock. And I have this just horrible foreboding feeling that that's what's going to happen with Quentin Nelson in this draft. He'll go either to Tampa Bay or Indianapolis a couple of picks before the Bears pick. So I, I would love Quentin Nelson. If Bradley Chubb somehow fell to the Bears, even though I like Nelson better, I feel like with the dire need at pass rush, if they took Chubb, I think that would be still be an excellent pick for them because he's the best pass rusher in this draft. Uh, and after that, I mean, you, you need a pass rush, so I'd like to find another guy. If if you get Nelson in the first round, then I want to see him address the pass rush with their second round. If they get a pass rusher or a linebacker in the first round, then I'd, it, I'd be thrilled if somebody like Will Hernandez somehow slipped into the early second round so they can get that at guard because I do think they need to replace Josh Sitton, and I think that – they let sit and go with the idea that they're going to have a good shot at drafting Nelson. So I think that's where they're leaning. I would like to see them take another wide receiver, but I would prefer more of a mid-round guy, take a flyer on somebody like Alan Lazard or somebody in that kind of area where, you know, you're not really expecting him to come in and be a number one. And I would like to see another corner taken just in case Kyle Fuller doesn't work out. Now, worst case scenario, I don't think there's really, I think they're in a pretty good position because even if, there aren't a bunch of quarterbacks taken before they make their first pick at eight. I feel like the worst case scenario that they're looking at is choosing between somebody like Roquan Smith or Tremaine Edmonds. Yeah. And I feel like that's there's questions there for both of them, but that's still a pretty solid spot to be. So just don't pick Kevin White again is really <laughs> all I hope. Calvin Ridley at eight, right? Is that <laughs> God. Uh, I, listen, I like Calvin Ridley, but. Top 10 pick, no way. Yeah, I don't think so either. And all right, so it's, but it is interesting. So at, at eight, in the, this is a good draft to have eight. Now don't, don't be wrong. I think if you're going to be in the top 10 of any draft, you know, you'd rather be two or three. So you get your choice, but I think that it's almost a guarantee that four quarterbacks are gone by the time the Bears pick at eight. And if they're not, if there's, if Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen or Josh Allen are sitting there when the Bears are on the clock at eight, I, I, that might be a better case because then they yeah. can trade down and get a, a bounty for one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, and then I think the other three guys who will definitely come off the board are Bradley Chubb, Nelson, and then Saquon Barkley. So the question is, does, a, I don't, I don't think another quarterback cracks that top seven. So what do you, what do you do if all of those guys are gone? Is it I mean Minka Fitzpatrick, Derwin James, Leighton yeah, Vanderish? I, I I think that if if those guys are all gone, then in like if Minka if Minka's still on the board, I would go there. I mean I just think that he's somebody who I th- I feel like it could be strange to end up drafting a guy who could just end up being your nickel corner yeah. in the top ten, but at the same time, I feel like the nickel corner has become such an important position in the NFL because of the way the offenses are working that you have to have a good nickel corner to really have a solid defense. So I don't think that's your ideal scenario, obviously, but if if, if that's what's there and you could still get Mika Fitzpatrick or even Derwin James, I, I I would be happy with that too. That might be your that might be your worst case. It's a it's not a bad situation if you're the Bears. No, I mean, you know it, that's what happens when your team sucks is you get to you get to pick it's, high. Uh, it's what, the only good thing that happens when your team sucks. It sure is. All right, what about these uh, what about these quarterbacks then? Because you you watch a lot of college football. Rank? Can you rank in the top six? I mean, I think it's pretty. I mean, 
unless Pretty I'm missing somebody and Kyle Lillette is sliding in here, it's and I'm just listing him off as Josh. Rosen. I've been watching Richmond tape all day. <laughs> who who amongst us hasn't been grinding on that Richmond tape? Um, me. I have not been grinding on any Richmond tape. Uh, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson, and Mason Rudolph. What Tom Fornelli is your tops? You could even do, you could do top five if you want to stay on brand. But what is your top? How would you rank those six quarterbacks? Uh, I would go, and the top three are pretty much all not one, two, three as much as they're one A, one B, one C, because I, I don't think there's that clear of a separation between them. But I would go Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Mason Rudolph, Lamar Jackson, and then Josh Allen at number six. <laughs> and that is not how NFL teams view it, based on what I have seen and heard. Where, as far as Josh Allen is concerned, because he's got he's big, he's got big hands, and he's got a strong arm. But having watched him play in college, okay, if if that's what you want to bank your career on or your job on, you go right ahead. But I'll I'll pass. The the, the everlasting and I, and I, I mean I say this when I watched Josh Allen play. And you, whether you're watching him on film, watching his pro day, watching, watching him live last year, you know, in the bowl game, regular season, whatever it is, at least like once per drive and maybe four or five times per game on average, he has a play or a throw that makes you gasp out loud. Yes. Um, in a good way. And then at least about the same amount of time, he has a play that makes you gasp out loud in a bad way. The, the one I can't get out of my head is that horrible pick six to Josh Jackson against Iowa. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, it, I, I think, I think it's like a, he's throwing to the, a, a receiver in the flat. It might even, it might even be a running back. I mean, it is a really short pass and he just puts it into Josh Jackson's arms and Jackson saunters to the end zone for a pick six. And it, it you can't get away with that or anything remotely like that in the NFL. You will be destroyed quickly. Yeah, no, it's, he is, I mean, I feel like if you're giving an honest evaluation of Josh Allen just based on his tools and his size and, you know, his, you know, rocket arm, I feel like absolute best case scenario, if he, if everything clicks and he reaches the max of his potential, I feel like he's Jay Cutler. Now that sounds like an insult, (laughs) but I I mean that this is still, Jay Cutler is a dude who's been playing in the NFL for 15 years and had, you know, was a starter and had a solid career. That's worth a lot. It's just I think that is if everything goes right. And if that's what you want to strive for in your franchise QB, go ahead. But I'd rather – I would take that if that was my what I got, but that's not what I'm shooting for. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I think Baker Mayfield, to me, has the upside to be Russell Wilson. Yeah. I mean, Baker Mayfield, I, he's reminded me of Drew Brees for the last two sure. years. Yeah. When I watch Baker Mayfield, that's who I see more of in him I, than more than I see Russell Wilson. I see Drew Brees, both from their size, you know, the way their, their size, the way he moves around in the pocket. He actually, you know, he can run, but he is never really looking to run unless he absolutely has to. He'd rather dance around and move and look, give his guys time to get open and then find them before he has to take off. So I, I love him. And I, plus, you know, there's the questions about his character and all that stuff because yeah. he grabbed his crotch and he's, you know, got chased down by cops, you know, when he was drunk in public. And I understand the red flags that come with that. But personally, I would rather have a quarterback with that kind of attitude who, you know, clearly loves playing football and wants to kill his opponent. Yeah. I feel like that's something that is a good thing for your quarterback. Somebody's going to, you're going to be relying on to win games. I would rather have the killer than the guy who's just the quiet, silent, I'm just here to, you know, 
play football type. Is, is is that Josh Rosen, the quiet I'm just here to play football type? Or is he is he I'm a loud millennial? I think I think Josh Rosen's problem, and I use problem in quotes, is just that he's smart. Mm. And I feel like a lot of times in football culture, in the NFL culture, you don't want your quarterback or anybody in your team to be too smart because you don't – when it comes to like – it's it's in a way when you think of like military, you want a guy who – if you have the guy who – you know, you have your commanding officer and then you have the rest of the – you know, your, your soldiers. The commanding officer gives the order, the soldiers follow it. Soldiers aren't asking why we're – oh, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? You don't really like that from a guy. And Josh Rosen, like Jim Morris said, is the kind of kid that's going to ask why. Now, I don't think that's a bad thing as far as real life is concerned, but I understand why a coach would want the kid, a kid who's going to listen more than question everything and just do as he's told. Now, if you want to ask why and learn more, obviously that's a good thing. But if he's telling you to run a play, don't ask why you're running the play. Just run the play, and then maybe later in the film room you can ask why you're running the play. Well, And I think people, people are like, well, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady ask why. It's like, well, yeah, but they've been in the league for 10 years. Yeah, and they're, they're vets with Super Bowl rings. They're given a little more latitude. Right, and I, and I almost think that Aaron Rodgers in 2018, if he the things that he says now when he gets up and he says thoughtful things in the microphone, if he were coming into the league and saying those things, he wouldn't be treated – like oh thoughtful how how thoughtful of Aaron Rodgers to be like this yeah. punk from California thinks he knows how the world works you know what I mean how how many how much how many times did you hear Aaron Rodgers quotes while he was a backup never he didn't you know he was and there a, were plenty uh, he, of questions to ask him about do you think you should be starting you know is it about time Brett goes why are you upset why you're not getting the you never heard him talking about it. it's not until you get that until you build up the cred. And I think Josh Rosen has enough talent to eventually build up that kind of, you know, responsibility and credibility going forward in his NFL career. But I think right now, and you could get mad about it all you want, but when you're a rookie and you're first, you know, you're first coming into the league, you kind of just got to shut up and do as you're told. And I think it's that way in a lot of careers where you first started a place, just shut up and do as you're told. And then once you've got the lay of the land figured out and you've built up some respect and credibility, then you could start throwing your weight around a bit more. And I think that's the one – I hate to use the term red flag for it, Josh Rose, because it's really not a red flag. It's just one of those things where I think that Rosen is a kid who is very smart, who grew up – in a family with money, he doesn't need football. So just because he doesn't need football, suddenly the question becomes, does he even care about football? I think he cares very much about football. I think he wants to play football. But when you, he's somebody who's got other choices, and I feel like that's something that's always going to scare an NFL team who is about to pretty much invest a bunch of money in him. And if you're a coach or a GM, you're investing your career in him. So, yeah, you want to make sure that this is somebody who's in it for the long haul before you do that. No, that's fair. Uh, last quarterback because I, it would be a fool if I didn't ask you this. I think I think that you get a different answer from, you know, college guy, like somebody who writes about college football than you do from someone who writes about the draft or writes about the NFL. What? How do you think Lamar Jackson will do at the NFL level? I I think that he could be a above average NFL starting quarterback, mm. but he's going to need a year or two. I agree. Like if if he gets drafted to a team that's going to throw him out there in year one and let him go, he's probably going to sink. But if you give him time, because the offense, it's not simple. Louisville, Bobby Petrino's offense is not simple as far as needing to know where guys are going to be and what routes they're running. But as far as making reads, it's pretty simplified as far. You know, it's like a one-two, especially with Lamar. It was typically because he was such an amazing athlete. It was, all right, here's your first read. If that's not there, either go to your second read or take off. Yeah. 
And that's not going to work nearly as much in the NFL because even with that speed, once the, the linebackers are really fast in the NFL too. And when they hit you, it's going to hurt. So I think that you need, you need to give him a couple years to just develop without throwing him to the wolves. And I think that he has the ability and the talent to be a very good quarterback in the NFL. You just can't rush him. Needs to go somewhere like Arizona if if Sam Bradford can stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Los Angeles Chargers, Baltimore Ravens, eh, New Orleans Saints, or New England Patriots. If I was if I was yeah. picking landing spots for him. All right, we'll get you out of here on this PGA Tour, the Zurich Classic. This is my new favorite question for everybody. They instituted a rule where when you're playing, these golfers can have a walk up song. What would your walk up song be as you head to the number one tee to tee off for the tournament? See, now I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out my walk-up song in all kind of sports. I've never done it for golf. For, like, my baseball at bat music, I was always, like, I would go with the Godfather Waltz. <laughs> if if I was a UFC fighter, I would go with, like, sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows because I feel like that would terrify <laughs> the guy I'm about to fight. Like, he's thinking, oh, my God, this guy's insane. <laughs> and I, I always want – I. My one song I love, just like the intro to Blockbuster Night Part 1 by Run the Jewels, just gets me absolutely ready to run through a wall. But I feel like that would probably be a bad choice as I'm stepping up to the tee. Because no. I, might, I, 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 I might be more inclined to beat somebody with the club than hit the ball. So I think I'll stick with my at-bat music and go with the Godfather Waltz. Very good stuff. All right, Tom Fernelli at Tom Fernelli on Twitter. You can read his columns on CBSCourse.com. Uh, you can follow his t- uh, Twitter tips of the day, continue on through baseball season, should you be so inclined to um, pursue uh, interest tangential to the outcome of sports. Tom, thanks, buddy. Thank you.